So good. All right. Well, let me give you a little backstory, just 30, 30, 60 seconds of what's happening. It's so awesome to be here and so excited to be in this tent of glory. This tent continues to produce some of the greatest young leaders in missions across the world. You do know that. It's not hype. It's not circumstance. It's real. It's, it's part of the hunger that you guys carry. It's unusual hunger. Uh, you, you can talk to speakers that come through here, and they're compl- they say, I say things I've never said. I felt differently. I, I just things were being pulled out of me. It's a direct result of the hunger in your heart. The way that it works is if you're more hungry than I am, then you'll pull out of me more than I even wanted to say. And that's the fire and fragrance signature move. Okay, now let me explain it. It's most speakers in general in Christianity, maybe they'll come and they'll have an hour sermon. They've written it out. They've got it all dialed in, right? And it takes them a whole hour to explain it. When you bring that sermon to fire and fragrance, you'll pull that sermon out of that guy in five minutes and then go, now what? And then what the now what is the next 55 minutes of pure glory. And so I want to compliment your hunger because biblically hunger is a huge concept. And when you have men or women that are hungry, those are the leaders of the leaders. And so, man, thank you so much. Every single quarter, consistently, the same hunger. We haven't had a bad fire and fragrance quarter ever. There's never been one where are like, oh, man, that one quarter, that was horrible. No, every one of them has been crazy. And you guys I hear are going to end up in Peru which is exciting, incredible. I mean, just wild. This last quarter ending up in Orlando, you guys going to Peru. It's just like there's no dull quarters in Fire and Fragrance. I hope you guys are making lots of friends. How's the friendship formation? Good, good. Got some friends, some roommates. You guys getting to the beach at least one day, getting some tan on. Do we have any concerns about some people that need some tanning, that could use some tanning? That's it. Yeah, I saw that. I see. I agree with that. Yeah, that's clearly a... That's clearly a case for a little less spray, protective spray, a little more risk under the rays. But how's that going? Okay. And, how, and, and another question, and we're going to get into this fear concept. We're talking about fear this morning and just kick its butt so, so wildly. But every quarter, every quarter we pray this in. I always pray it in that God would produce the greatest beard of the whole quarter would be in fire and fragrance. Do we have? A man of God with a beard this quarter that I could just. Jacob, would you please stand up and bring hope to America? Thank you. Yes, I honor that beard. That's a beard. That's incredible. I just take authority over all the jealousy of other men towards you. Okay, now that is a beard and a Samson total package right there. Good grief. Okay, don't break anything today, okay? Okay, man. Shoot. I wasn't ready for that. It scared me. Looking for a jawbone in his hand, like it's over. It's in the Bible, but it's over. All right. So we want to talk about uh, freedom. We want to make it interactive. You get bored, it's on me. We want you to pray with your friends, know how to do this for life. Imagine this for a minute. Let's go in a time machine. There you are. You walk into a church, a youth group, a college. You're somewhere in the world, and they need freedom. We want you to be not just like, hey, I got free. It was cool. You should get the book. We want you to go, I will actually take you through it right now. Okay? Did you hear what I'm saying? So you're getting free, of course, to be free in Christ, but to be free to lead others in freedom, and if need be, teach them how to be free. So we're going to teach you as junior professors. 
Turn to your neighbor next to you and say, I always knew you were this smart. I wish you did. That's right. Praise God right there. That's it. You're that smart. Okay, let's get into this real quick. You, you are that smart. And if, here it is first. We know that freedom is not just, check this out. Freedom isn't a separate part of the gospel. Say it with me. Freedom is not a separate part of the gospel. Freedom is the essence of the gospel. The gospel is freedom. Okay, so when you and I get saved, we get saved, we get free. And the more that we apply, say apply, the blood of Jesus, meaning the good news of salvation, the, the more we can press our freedom. We can start taking down strongholds. And what is a stronghold? It's a place the enemy has a strong hold on the way that you think. So if you have a lot of insecurity in your life, you're like, man, I'm always I'm second class. I'm never the best. I don't like the way I look. When I look in the mirror, I don't like my hips, my elbows, my eyebrows. I don't like that. That's a stronghold. In salvation, you can get free of that. Without salvation, you can't get free of that. You can just manage it with different medications. I don't know what to do exactly, but I'm just telling you, you can be free. What's another thing when you get saved? When you get saved, you can get free from anger or resentment or offense or bitterness. You can become, used to be like mean and nasty. Now you can become tender bear of the quarter. Everyone that sees you, like tear in the corner of your eye, you're always thinking about something so beautiful and so deep. We're used to beat up kids. Okay? You used to have a shirt, a rap shirt that said, I beat up kids. And now you're wearing a shirt that says, Tender Bear of the Quarter Award. It's different. Salvation is different. It totally frees you from mindsets. Maybe you have a hard time believing. You cannot believe, Leadership Track, that your quarter is going to see more salvations than any quarter before. You're like, how could that ever be? Well, the way that it could work is you could get an unbelievable baptism of the Holy Spirit that you don't see coming, and it lands on you in a prayer set, and the next Renner Bonkin, Billy Graham, walk out of here and absolutely see fields full of people getting saved. But because we can have unbelief, we go, oh, it might be the same old quarter. They don't have unbelief, obviously. They have tons of faith. So the mindset of unbelief, how many of us know we can wash that in the blood and replace it with faith? Every mindset, whether it's self-hatred, whether it's a body image, or whether it's rejection, we can be healed and set free. And that's what we want to do this quarter. And this week, we want to just obliterate a bunch of these common areas. we got to do it together. we got to talk about the four R's. Now, repentance has been explained to you, I bet, by Batman or Sun-O. Um, he, he is. He's spiritual Batman. And think about it for a while. It'll make sense is, is, it's starting to make sense. It's starting to click. Yeah. He always does dramatic things to get people free. It's not usual. So you know when he comes to your class, your computer might be on fire like an hour later. <laughs> There's no other teacher in the world that produces that kind of fruit. He's Batman. Okay. <laughs> you just got it for Christmas. Mom just gave you brand new phone. Suddenly it looks like an idol. Lighter comes out. You're burning it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's one man that can bring that. And his show is called Batman. All right, so, all right, we're moving on. Where were we? Four R's. 
Repentance. Now, repentance is joyful because when we turn from our old life and turn to our new life, a couple things happen. Number one, we get immediately refreshed, the Bible says. So you get refreshed when you're heavy, when you're down under it, you're discouraged. How you, how, you know what I'm talking about, right? And then you repent of something like, I get it off my chest, it's done. Man, all of a sudden you start getting refreshed. What's the second thing? Your slate, and, and Steno was pounding on this, is clean. It's done. It's over. So as Christians, freedom is about a clean slate, and it's about walking in new life, and we can do it any day of the week when something comes to mind. Four R's. The first R, you know what it is. Repent. And it's fun. It's joyful. It doesn't need to be heavy unless you're repenting of killing 100 people. It'll be probably more serious because you're going to jail, and we'll see you later. <laughs> okay, but if it's not that, and if you did it, you need to head over to the cross right now. We'll be waiting for you right there with the sheriff. <laughs> someone, I've had multiple occasions where people came to me and repented of killing someone. And so I said, well, I love you so much to know that the spirit of murder can be bound and broken with my, my cheeky smile. But where I'm using my phone right now is it's on 911, and I'm calling the sheriff to pick you up because there's two sides of your freedom. One, there's a spiritual freedom. Salvation is going to be awesome. And two, it looks like you're going to be an evangelist in, <laughs> in, in, in an enclosed area. And we just thank God that this miracle is happening right now. Are you guys feeling that? Okay. All right. So let's look at this. Open your book. That was wild. He did. The police did come. 48. Page 48, fear. Can we look at it real quick? Let me get a little drink. Was a silent drink. Okay, fear. Let's get serious. This is a serious quarter. We need serious expectations. Okay, fear. Now, none of you deal with fear much, yeah, right? Raise your hand if you know someone near you that really needs this help. Go ahead and point to them. How come leaders were being pointed to? Terrible. All right, they weren't. They weren't pointing to leaders. Okay, what is fear? Look at it. Let's read it on page fifty. It's. Let's read it with some emotion. It's unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. An instance of this emotion, a state marked by this emotion. So it's, when we have fear, it's unpleasant. We in our minds we start thinking of something. You know, you dwell. You're like. Fear of the future. Some thought, boom. And you're like, oh. Fear of your finances for outreach. Fear. It's like unpleasantness enters your brain. And you want to have tools to go, chop. I'm not going to listen to that fear. I'm going to push that fear off. And I'm going to replace it with courage, boldness, and faith. And the faster that you're able to do that initially, the easier it is to maintain your freedom and continually live in a state of courage. There will be moments on the road. But here, let's look at the, the verb deceive. Synonym means mislead, delude, beguile, means to lead astray or frustrate. You see that in your book? Usually by underhandedness. Deceive implies imposing a false idea or belief that causes ignorance, 
bewilderment or helplessness. Did you guys all see that? And so it's a deception. Say deception. When I'm living under fear, I was, where was I? I came home. I had a, I, uh, some, I won't go into all the details of this, but I have this wild, crazy attack on my health right now. It's an autoimmune disease, and it's coming after my lungs. And I'm in a special treatment every Friday, a five-hour treatment, where they give me a drug called Rituxan. They IV dripping in me, and I sit in this chair. It's really like Rocky Balboa. I'm in this room. It's wild. Everybody in there looks like they're dying except me. I'm cheerful and because uh, I know I'm getting healed. But still, it's a wild. It's wildness. And as I was driving home, I had this fear. And this fear entered my mind. I know exactly what it was. The fear was, what if this treatment doesn't work? And then immediately that fear opened the door for discouragement. And so when we open the door to fear, right, you could be single. This is an old one, but it happens. And, you know, Sister Jill gets married off and everything's great. She marries, you know, the rugged man from the mountaintop. Jeremiah, he comes down. He's taking her back up to their mountain cabins in Kona. Sounds fun, doesn't it? No TV, no Internet. And they're going to have a great marriage. And right there you get struck. Where's my mountain man? Are there other Jeremiah's in the hills? That fear hits you. And the rest of the day, you're marked by that fear, and it's discouraging. How many have had that happen to you hundreds of times? Yes. Okay. Hundreds. Hundreds of times. So what do we do? Look at page 50. Most of us do not realize how deeply fear is rooted in our everyday life. We, we don't really realize. We need, we need revelation. Say, Jesus, I need revelation. Jesus, I need revelation. Because remember, fear wants to trick you. It wants to deceive you so that you don't step in the fullness of your inheritance, destiny, what you are. We're going to talk about original design on Wednesday. The fullness of your design. Fear wants to trick you. And we want to nuke fear because it's the deceiving lie of the enemy. Okay, fear brings, when we bring our fear, number two, to the cross, we repent, but we affirm truth. We don't just say, I renounce fear. We want to affirm the truth that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. What else? Power. What else? Self-control, a sound mind. That's what he's given us. So when I was driving home from the doctor, I spit back at the devil. And I said, mister, you might think your lies work on the other cars. But in this car, it doesn't work. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost power. And Holy Ghost power says, you wouldn't be talking this trash to me unless I wasn't going to get healed. Why would you be bothering with me? Why would you be trying to trick me? Why would you be trying to beat me down? Now because of that, I'm going to have to beat you down. Because I'm, I'm pulling out the R in rebuke. And you don't want to mess around with me, my angels, the Holy Spirit, or my mom. And I'm going to deal with you in Jesus' name. Fear of dying is a chump, joke, deception. It's foolish. I'm going to live so old that people are going to beg me to go to the funeral home in Jesus' name. And when I'm dead, I'm going to get raised from the dead just to agitate my great-grandkids. That's what I'm going to do. So, devil, get out of my car. You need to tell him something. It's been so long since you told the devil something. He's been talking to you all the time for years. It's time for you to talk back to the devil. Talk back to the devil. Talk back to the devil. That's right. Okay. Here we go. So where does fear come from? It's in your notebook. Let's read it out loud. 
Page 50. It's not from God. Let's read the verse. For God, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. One more time. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, power, love, self-discipline. Fear is the result of a lack of faith. When we lack faith, that means we have not been in the Word, reading the Bible. We've not been around others that have faith. And we get trapped in unbelief. And when we got that, let's read this verse. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Check this out. How many of you guys want to not be doubters? I don't want to be a doubter. I don't like being a doubter. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to be called a doubter. Like, you doubter. Like, you know, like, I, I don't want to be that guy, you know, like, Someone comes up, a young kid comes up and says, man, I'm really, I, I was somewhere the other day, in fact, this happened. A pastor comes up, young guy, man, he was cool. James Bond looking guy, and he came up and he said, I want to rent Anaheim Stadium. God's given me a word. And in that moment, I, of course, I take my anti-doubt medicine, the Bible, and so I just, I just hit him in the face with the truth. I said, why have you waited so long? I want to be in that stadium tomorrow. When do we sign the contract? He just about fell on the ground. He, just, he started going into a manifestation. Like, uh, uh, electrical stuff started happening to him. I don't know all the details. I put my hand on him, and he was down for the count. And I said, don't get up until you head straight to Anaheim and get that stadium booked. He was wild. In other words, we don't want to meet people with doubt. We want it. There's so few people doing exploits on the earth that when someone comes up and says, I want to do this crazy thing, I want to go to India, I want to start 50 orphanages in the south, then great, let's give them a pat on the back, a hamburger in their hand, maybe a few fries and a Coke. Give them a number 12 jersey and say, be the goat, and head on down there and do what you need to do. In other words, we need a lot more faith to replace a lot less doubt. Turn to someone next to you and say, I've been doubting way too long in your greatness. That's right. It's over. That's over today. That's over today. That's over today. Let me tell you a story. There's a man in this room right now that needs this story. If you have a minute for this story, it's going to mean a lot to you. Here had a young man in the circuit riders, incredible young man, preacher, college graduate, incredible, intelligent, theologian, brilliant, handsome as can be, but he had school debt. And his decision was he wanted to pay off all of his debt. And by doing so, he would not live in any of our houses. He refused. He would live in his car so he did not have to pay rent. And he would live in our front yard and use the shower. This man was unbelievable, man of God. But I will say that his tactics to get out of debt were unbelievable. I said to myself one day, in doubt, I doubted. I said, Lord, he's so handsome. How can he ever get married? His girlfriend will find out he lives in a car like a homeless man. And I was filled with stress. Well, I didn't need to be in stress, did I? Because guess what? I'm not running the universe. <laughs> so, so my man, Chris, ends up on a Skype call about colleges in Australia. And there's this wonderful young woman in the backdrop of that conversation that looks on from where she was and notices Chris 
steps into the camera frame and begins to discuss Jesus Christ with him, and they got married six months later. I want to say that if you're doubting about your future, think about the homeless man, the circuit rider. In Jesus' name, he's married now, living in Australia, across the street from Hillsong. Let's think about examples of living in fear. (laughs) Radical testimony. (laughs) Uh, I keep looking over there. Man, I don't know. That cross has got me spooked with a cowboy on there. It's hardcore. When Batman goes to work, nothing's left off the table. (laughs) It's a clean breakup. Amen. 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 Say it like you didn't mean it. Amen. (laughs) Man. Okay. Fear of punishment. Page 51. Fear of punishment. Do you see it? Fear of punishment means you have little peace, little hope. Little. Ever met you, little Debbie? Little. It's little hope. When you meet someone, they're always worried about screwing up. How many of you guys ever met the quiet time screw-up guy? They're always like, oh, man, I haven't been reading enough, praying enough. In other words, I haven't been performing enough. You say, how's the prayer set going? Oh, I just need to get my hands in the air more. You go, okay, good. I want that too. I want that for you. Boy, do I want that. What else? Oh, I just want to I just want to be still silent before the Lord. Never say a word. Oh, boy. I want that for you too. What else is going on? In other words, their language is it's like if they were they're Vulcan or something or from another planet. They speak the language of performance. And they're always afraid to not perform, right? And so they're afraid all day of letting people down, letting the Lord down, letting some other person leader down. Because they don't want to really be known for who they are. And that's called fear of punishment. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. When you're in that fear, your mind's always racing. More you could do. How many of you guys, don't raise your hand, but are maybe behind in some of the Bible reading this quarter? Usually starts about now. And, and then you race. But I found that by the end of the quarter, pretty much everyone gets caught up. You get a day off here. You get... A mountaintop here. God works it out. There's no reason to live in fear. Right? Jesus is going to meet you. How many of you are a little bit tired some days? But God comes with strength the next day, doesn't he? He comes and he supplies you with what you need. So God's there. So let's read out loud. Is your relationship with Jesus performance-based? No. We don't perform for God. We have a love-based relationship with Jesus Christ. We obey the Lord out of love. You fear failing God. You fear God withholding from you because of something you've done in your past. Are you afraid of financial blessings being withheld? That maybe some people have an unnatural sense of suffering. Have you ever met that person who's like, man, I just know something terrible is going to happen on this plane. I'm one of the best plane riders because I know I'm not supposed to die yet. And so when people fly with me and the plane's going like sideways, they always go, where's Brian? Is he up there? And I have my headphones on, you know, I'm usually reading my Bible or reading something on my computer about the Bible, and they go, look, he's completely calm. We're going to be fine. It's so funny, isn't it? Some people just have this, as soon as there's turbulence on the plane, they start sweating and grabbing a hold. They start helping drive the plane. 
They start praying in tongues, asking for angels. And I'm not against all that. I think it's exciting. We should do that more often. But, or, but the, the point is, we want to be steady in Jesus Christ, don't we? Not afraid of suffering unnaturally. God's not going to withhold himself. How many of us have feared not hearing God's voice? Dun-da-da-da. We should have a trumpet up here every time we get one right. You know, and what's that say? Okay, think about how natural that is. I'm not going to hear God's voice. means God's playing hide-and-seek with you, and he's not going to show up ever. He's just going to stay out there like that one weird kid when we were kids. <laughs> Comes back nine hours later. Why? Where were you? We went to McDonald's. We went to the park. We forgot all about you. you yeah, I won. <laughs> That's hot, bro. That's hot. That's real hot. There you go. You did win. You did win. You did win. You beat us. But that's not how God is. God is not out there playing hide and seek with you. He wants to speak to you every day of your life through the Bible, through moments where he whispers to you, impressions to you. Prophetically, God wants to speak to you. Do you know God's going to speak to you more in this quarter than he's ever spoke to you before? And then next quarter, more, and next quarter, all the quarters of your life, God has rich things to say to you. He's not short on words. And so let's not worry anymore about that. Let's give it to God. Would you stand up? We're going to trash a fear together. I want you to do this with a partner. We're going to practice right now and get activated. Can you do it with one person, girls with girls, guys with guys? Um, and I just want you to go after this first fear. Okay, stay with me, everybody. Good job. You're doing everything perfect. Fear of punishment. Fear of punishment. We want to go after that and say, we will not live in a performance-based relationship with Jesus Christ anymore. We repent of that. We repent of that. What else are we going to do? We receive God's forgiveness. And if you want to go in your book to page 53, the four R's are there. Go to page 53. And then you want to rebuke, in the name of Jesus, the spirit of fear, and pray that prayer out loud and replace it with this truth that God has not given you a spirit of fear. Can you guys just wreak havoc Batman style for in honor of Son O Batman? One minute each on fear, and then we'll get back to the next one. Let's go for it. Be cool. All right, let's deal with fear of man. Let's trash fear of man. We got to get nasty on this. Okay. <laughs> I'm stoked on this because fear of man really is a bummer. It, it used to knock me silly, and I'm telling you, it's so fun to be done with it. Fear of man, let's read this Bible verse again. You know it, but let's read it out loud just for firepower. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Proverbs 29, 25. Let's go one more time. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now, back in the day, I remember hearing this speaker, and his name was Gary Smalley, and he was on, it was in a stadium. He was talking about fear of man. I'd never heard about it, and he built, he brought bear traps. I don't know if some of the guys here have been around bear traps or the ladies have seen them. I personally had never seen one and how awesomely massive they are. And they were, he was there, and he had his huge two-by-four, and he would set those traps off. And, man, when they would crash in on that two-by-four, the whole crowd, like 60,000 of us in the Seattle 
kingdom at the time, we just all started going, whoa, you know, just like, but we didn't know he was going to talk about fear of man being a snare. So we just thought, man, Gary Small, he's kind of fun. He's a genius. He's up there kind of doing this bear trap thing. And so, you know, when a speaker has you where he wants you, and then he switches gears on you, and all of a sudden the whole 60,000 guys are groaning like, oh, fear of man, man, it stinks. almost said it sucked, but it does suck. And it, it just, it's, it, I don't want to be that guy, man. I don't want to jump in that trap. Ben. Ben. Come on up here, Ben. Oh, man. Ben, I just need a hug. I've been praying for you for years. I'm Brian Brent. So nice to meet you. I heard you have a, you're in this course or in leadership or what are you doing with, with Gabriel? Yeah, I'm staffing the leadership. Oh, my gosh. And is it true that you have a special friend on the? Yes, I do. Man, bro, I love you again. No, seriously, I honor you, bro. My family's been praying for listen for years, and this is really cool, and you guys are dating now, huh? Man, any tips for the single guys? Actually pursue the person. Actually pursue her, okay? Don't, don't back up. Keep going forward unless she says no. No means no. That's right. No means no. But if she says yes, pursue her. Actually pursue her. Dude, that's some, that's some serious wisdom right there. It's simple, man. It's very simple. It's not hard. Just listen to Jesus and pursue her. I don't know. How many men, raise your hand, just got some bonus tip of wisdom just now. Raise your hand. Yeah, there's some wisdom. Ben, I love you. I want to talk to you more. Thank you. I just want to say hi to you. Thank you, Ben. Wow. After DTS. All right, let's get back to God and his work in our lives. So it's this, this, this thing for me was, where, okay, check it out. The fear of God is going to always is the direct answer to the fear of man. Watch this. Whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to man or are you going to listen to God? Now, at first it's easier, but then God will test you. And sometimes those tests mean you'll have to say no to people. And when you say no to people, they'll be disappointed with you. But you have to say no because you fear God. That could be in a relationship, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship could be out of a temptation. Will you drink this? Will you blur the lines of purity? And you say, no, I can't do that. But isn't it funny, that peer pressure that we feel when we're like seventh grade, eighth grade, you know, ninth grade can come back, and we can be 21 years old and feel like, oh, man, I don't want to make these people feel bad. But the fear of man is a trap. And once you step in that trap, you lose that forward motion in God and now you're trapped in it. It's a snare for you. So I want all of us to have a holy fear of God replacing this demonic fear of man. Are you there? Let me tell you, how many of you have ever heard this old word called soul tie? Anyone? Let me explain the soul tie. Now, soul tie can happen when you have premarital sex because you have sexual union 
prior to marriage, and it creates a union because the Bible says then you make one with the other person. That's a mystery, and the two become one. And so you have united yourself, and so you need to say this prayer. In Jesus' name, forgive me for having premarital sex. And number two, that's called repentance, right? Number two, I take authority over that bond. That bond is not holy and from you. That bond is to be broken in Jesus' name. And I cut it off in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? That's a soul tie. Now, a soul tie, though, can be part two. Say part two. Sometimes people have a soul tie because they have an unhealthy emotional connection to another person through the sin of fear. I'll show you how this works. Have you ever talked to someone? That's, that's kind of the fun of, the, and you guys went through it already. I won't go through it. But the fun of clean breakup is really a play on, it's kind of a funny story of a man or a woman who's in a relationship that really needs to break up but doesn't ever break up properly because there's some sort of connection there that they will not break. And when you have a fear-based relationship, you care more what that person thinks than what you do God thinks. And so when that person comes around or they call you or text you, direct message you, whatever it is, you start going, oh, man, oh, no, what if they say this or what if they feel this? And you need to cut the soul tie into half. You need to cut that thing. Because if you are listening to man on the same level as you're listening to God, now you're in an unhealthy emotional relationship that is based on fear. Can I get an amen? amen. And that fear, it, it'll happen. You'll be, you'll be married one day, and if you have an unhealthy emotional relationship, guys, with some old college roommate, and he says, hey, I remember when we were in college, we used to drink beers. I'm in the neighborhood. Can we drink some beers? If you're not able to say, bro, I am on freaking fire for Jesus. I don't need to drink beers, but I'll drink 10 Coca-Colas with you. Let's go out. I want to hear about your story and tell you what Jesus did in my life. But if you're, like, on the phone, like, uh, well, uh, not thirsty tonight. You know, I drank a lot of water. And uh, just can't do it, you know. I just got married. You know how it is. Every time I leave the house, my wife gets mad at me. That's all a lie. That's because you're in fear. You're not speaking the truth. This is the truth. How many of us know that when we speak fear of man, we're worried about what others think of us more than what God thinks of us? We need to speak the truth in love. How many of you feel like you could do some hacking on the fear of man or even emotions? Can you, have you ever felt controlled by somebody's emotions and you didn't want to be under? feel like you're underneath it, but the access point of sin is fear. It's not really they're controlling you with some giant controlling fingertip moves, you know, like I'm just going to get Brian and he's like, oh, I'm under control. I'm a robot. I'm my friend. I do what they say. No, it's me, Brian, that's opened the door to fear. Because all I need to say is, bro, you're coming on awful strong. I need you to back down and stay within boundaries of friendship. Love me. I'll love you. I'm committed to you, but I cannot operate in fear of you. And I say it with a smile on my face. So you want to establish right relationships based upon the fear of God, not the fear of man. Why would you stay in fear of man? Have you ever met a diehard fear of man? person maybe it's not you but it could be someone near you I don't know but Joy Dawson called me one time an old friend of mine and she said Brian you need to step forward into leadership in a greater way and I really thought I was and she goes no there's more for you there's more for you and you won't do it because you're afraid of what man would say and so here's what happens 
If you could, have, how many of us have made mistakes in your past? Okay, I have. And so what, a lot of times when I'm ready to step out in faith, that mistake, the demons bring that mistake back. And they say, oh, yeah, why don't you step out and lead? It went as good as last time. Plus, everyone knows how bad it went last time. So they're knowing that you can't really do it. How many of you hear these kind of lies? You're kind of disqualified from it. What we need to do is say, look, I am forgiven. My mistakes don't define me. My failures don't define me. Those were part of my story, my testimony. But I am still going forward regardless of those failures or those mistakes. I, it, what it, I want A lot of us in your generation, right, my generation, really every generation, it really is nothing new under the sun. But people, a lot of people have given up their sexual purity, and then they get saved, they get recommitted to Christ, and they realize, I really want to walk in sexual purity. And then they meet someone. But they're so worried about their past and their sinful stuff that they're not willing and able to just come clean and be done with it and say, this is what happened. This is what Jesus saved me from, and it's done. And it is as if I am brand new. It's finished. And I'm not afraid of this ever repeating in my life. We need to be bold Christians declaring our forgiveness, not kind of fearful Christians hoping we're going to get accepted. Are you with me? If someone cannot accept you as a recovering sinner, it's probably not going to work out very long. Right? Because no one on this earth is perfect, and we have past where the enemy took shots at us. Those are part of our testimonies. Let's not be afraid of our past. Let's make our past our testimonies on our outreach. Instead of just saying, let's get free of something, use something in your life that God set you free of that will rattle the bones of people's hearts and cause them to want to be free. Fear of man. It's a snare. Say snare. So down below it says, I fear what other people think about me. I imagine what others are saying that are close to me. That's all got to go. I fear being rejected by those close to me. How many want that to go as well? Yes. I fear people that are in authority, leaders. I don't want to communicate publicly. I'm afraid of being confronted by others. All that is gone. We need to go ballistic on this fear of man right now and repent. Break up every soul tie with it. If there's a person in your life that you feel like has control over what you're doing, you just say, in Jesus' name, I break that fear. And I ask forgiveness for living in fear of what other people think. You want to do it with me right now? All right, let's do it. This soul tie is going to go. Stand up. We're going to go after just the soul tie. Then you can practice with your friend on the other fears. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. When you feel that control a little bit in your life. Here you are in the mission field. You know, what you're doing, can I pay you a compliment, not flattery? Because biblically, I can't encourage you. But flattery would be a bummer. Right? That's what the Bible says. I, I happen to have the luxury of working with the circuit riders. What a privilege. And to see these circuit riders on university campuses, and they're fire and fragrance students working with the circuit riders. It's a beautiful family going across America. And one of the things that every one of those kids gets to say all the time is when people, young college students says, how did you learn what you've learned? How did you get so bright-eyed? How did you get so wild? How did you, how did you, how did you learn how to pray, hear God's voice? They get asked that all day long. You can imagine if you're part of something super dead and some wild-eyed evangelist from Fire and Fragrance walks up 
wearing a, wearing a tank top and, and sandals, and it's freaking like 30 degrees outside, and they don't have any concept of a coat. And they're just walking up like, I don't know, we just got here from Kona, and we're on fire for Jesus Christ. And you're completely filled with dead religion. That is like seeing an oasis in a desert, and you beeline it to them. And what, that, what happens is college students are finding out about missions. They're finding out about what you guys are doing here. And so I want to give you guys a great encouragement. Your lives are a beacon of hope to your generation, that there is somewhere they can go and nations that they can go to that are going to change and are changing the world. When stories of the Philippines hit college campuses, which they have, students are in awe. When you guys go to Africa and things get established there, students are in awe. They love your European stories. They love your South American stories. You guys are crushing it. If there's one person in your life that disapproves of you being here, isn't it time to cut that soul tie and get on to your business? We can't live trying to please everybody. we got to live pleasing Jesus Christ, living in the fear of God all the way. Pray with me. In Jesus' name. The fear of man is a trap. And it's a sin. And we gladly, joyfully repent of it. Lord, for any single person that I care more about what they think than you, I no longer live under that fear. In fact, I ask forgiveness for that fear. I bless them. I honor them. But I must obey God, not man. I will not live under this fear any longer. When I look in my past, there are things I did that were sin. I'm no longer afraid of my testimony. It's there for a reason. To bring others to the kingdom. I'm not afraid of my sexual past. I'm not afraid of any detail. As of today, I'm moving forward. Unafraid. In Jesus' name. We repent of the fear of man. What others think of us. That's right. And some of us right here have things that we think people are thinking of us, but they're not even thinking of them. It's in, and I know it's happened to me. I'm not beating you down. I'm, I'm just saying it happens to us as human beings. We need to take authority over that. Let's say this out loud. Others are not thinking about me, Others are not thinking about me. Like, I that like I insist that they are. I am loved. I am appreciated. I am admired. I am seen as brave. A person of integrity. I take authority of this junk. Fear is done. We're going to go a little bit further on the fear of man. Just stay right with me. Okay? We don't need to be afraid of being confronted in love during this DTS. We welcome that. Of course, it needs to be in love with a smile. But we're ready to grow in Jesus' name because we're not afraid of something being exposed in our lives that we don't know about. That's, that's just part of growing in Christ. And it should, of course, be done in love. Never not done in love, but let's just pray it out. In Jesus' name, name, I am teachable. teachable. 
I love growing. I love learning. So I'm not afraid of not knowing something that I'm ignorant of. Holy Spirit, show it to me in love. I'm not afraid any longer. In Jesus' name. Sometimes accountability can make us a little bit nervous. What if someone asks me about being in the Bible or prayer or worship, sharing my faith, about purity in my life? Let's not be afraid of accountability. Accountability is a lot of fun. It's super fun in our small groups. It's, it's the one time in our life we can get wild, wild accountability moments on plane rides, overseas. It's just so much joy. Let's not be afraid of God's method of growing us. It's using each other to sharpen us as iron sharpens iron. So in the name of Jesus, I love my new friends. I bless my leaders. And it's fun to discuss our lives. It's fun to have no barriers of fear. So I am forgiven of fear of man. And I rebuke fear. You are lying to me. You've been lying to me a long time. About my future, about my, future. My, present and past. my present and past. Be gone to the feet of Jesus. Be gone to the feet of Jesus. And, I it with and I replace it with courage, love, love. Power. power, and a sound mind. Amen. Amen. All right, have a seat. That was fire. Whoa. Crushing it. Man, you have a seat. You guys are crushing it. Commercial break. You guys ready for a 30-second commercial break? Is Gabriel still here? Did he leave? Send him, a, send him a text if you can come back today. I have a word for him. All right, while we're waiting for the man of God from Africa, the rugby man. Fear becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Do you see that in your book there? Number three. It says in the Bible, Judges 7.3, Announce now to the people, you see that on page 51, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left and 10,000 remain. We don't want to have fear of our future. So many YWAMers believe when they graduate, they're going to backslide. When I go back home, I'm going to backslide. We just, need to, we just need to get that out of the atmosphere in Jesus' name. Fear. They have fear of their future. We've talked about that marriage piece. It's fear of, or they fear that when they get married, they will not be able to stay married. They're going to get divorced, like things that happen in their background. Maybe they have fear over getting a good career, fear over intimacy. In other words, when we're negative about our days all the time, have you ever met negative naysayers? You can tell them something, and they're right away a negative. I want you to train your mind to no longer speak such negative sentences about you, about your future, about where you're going. I want you to switch and start speaking faith about yourself, about where you're going, about those around you. Otherwise, if you're all day long, right, saying negative things, man, I'm on the, my GTS team. <laughs> I wish we had a few more, you know, legends on it. No. No, you are the, no, you should say this. Thank God, at least I'm on this team. There's one legend. You've got to turn the way you talk around. Why? Because the power of 
death and life is in words. And if you are cursing yourself all day with being stupid, not being smart enough, not caring enough, we want to change that. Will you change the way that you speak about yourself and about your future? I'm never going to know the word. I'm never going to know. No, 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 no. I will know the word. God's going to open it up to me. You begin to speak words of life. If you're, if you're dating somebody that you know in the future, maybe you came from a situation that wasn't a healthy situation, then just like, geez, that thing's done. God's got the best for me. Put your violin away. I don't need it. I don't need marination right now. Violin mar- marination. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? We want to say our futures are what the Bible says. And futures, God has plans to bless us and prosper us. Okay, number four, fear of your past being known. We talked about that. We will not be afraid. We will not suffer shame, not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Next page. Sudden unnatural fears are always from Satan. If you're ever somewhere and you get hopeless instantly, you're like, man, I'm just so discouraged. You need to rise up and say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I take authority over this atmosphere of hopelessness. Why is that important? When you go to, my buddy was just coming back from Cambodia. He was up on one of these stilted houses in one of these areas that that's pretty much all there is in this area. And there's to- so much uh, child trafficking and just, it's all that you already know. And he was there with three ladies and he was sharing the gospel. And he just was overcome with the hopelessness of his situation and the nation. But that's where the power of Jesus in the middle of that desert of hopelessness can hit you with such river of life that your hope is far greater than the death that surrounds you for miles. And you become the very river of life. This isn't about just getting free for you. This is about getting free for nations because you bring the river of life into nations. You can't afford to walk into an airport of a nation and come under the environment of depression and discouragement and heaviness. You need to bring hope, life, and a future to that nation. Are you ready to do that? In Jesus' name, oppressive fears, fears of death, sickness, children dying. A lot of this stuff is on the city streets. We've got to walk confident that we're walking with Jesus just like when he walked the earth. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, and people are going to be healed, saved, set free, and delivered. And not everyone, listen to me, not every person is going to have a Western future. When they get saved, a lot of people continue to suffer. But know this, their name is written in the book of life, and their suffering has an end. And for trillions upon trillions of years, times trillions of eternity, they will be rewarded for this short and momentary suffering are nothing to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. Don't hold back the gospel. Let the gospel fly. Come on, fire and fragrance. It's time for the hope of the gospel every city. Let's go on. We wanted to make a decision, and we've made that today, to hate the sin of fear with holy violence. Number two, we've confessed our areas of sin, of fear, and we're stoked on that. We want God to reveal any other root issues. He's been doing that. But let's look now at page 52 and read these verses out loud. Start with Jeremiah 17, 8, and we're going to move on. He will be like a tree, this is you, planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's the light of the world shining through you. 
Psalms 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One more. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away and the mountains fall in the heart of the sea. There's our favorite verse again, Romans 8.15. For we do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Wow. Okay, so fear, we've been nuking it with the four R's. How many of you have a sense in your life that fear is definitely on the run? You understand it? And this quarter is going to be a quarter that you're going to take wild ground on fear. Yes, I believe for it. Let me give you a couple bonus tools, and we're going to talk about passivity and really let you guys loose. This is what I love to do when I have fear. I love to do the opposite of how I feel. Put that in your tool belt. When I don't feel like worshiping, I always try to chuck my arms in the air. When I don't feel like sharing my faith, I always look for the guy that looks like he doesn't want to talk to me. When I don't feel like being friendly, I always look for the person who refuses to smile. In other words, I continue to move in the opposite spirit of being shut down by the fear of man. I'm not here on earth to be a spectator. I'm here to be a participant. I want to be active, changing the environment everywhere I go. I want to carry an atmosphere of courage. Are you with me? When people come around me, I want them to be able to dream and for them to leave and go, it's possible. Fire and fragrance, I'm calling you up the mountain. Can this quarter be the greatest dreamers, the greatest young ones that are filled with such faith that God could say something in this quarter that would just absolutely shatter any expectation of what God can do in this generation. But we would see something in Peru that we've never seen before. And that could change the very trajectory of modern-day missions. Could it be that we are in a divine setup to have our faith shattered and built in a level that we can never have? I wonder how many nations need a one-day, one-nation run by one of you. You can name it whatever you want. You can call it one day beautiful nation. It doesn't really matter. There's no patent on the gospel. You can take Jesus to every nation of the world with your friends and see it changed. You guys in? Is Gabriel back? Is Gabriel back? All right, I'll get him tomorrow. All right, let's go to the next page. You guys have got it in you? We're going to 1130. Passivity is it. Doesn't seem like we're very passive, but let's understand it. Shake it off a little bit. You want to shake it off a little bit? Get a little bit into the uh, little commercial moment. Man, I'm just thanking God for Tom Brady today. Hear this, this guy, I mean, man, works so hard, keeps winning. Amazing. I, I have a horrible life because I tend to like teams that have great leaders, and great leaders usually are hated, if you think about the Bible. I love Kobe Bryant. A lot of people hate him. I like LeBron James. A lot of people hate him. I love Taylor Swift. Yeah, a lot of people hate her. Don't make me sing her song and dance too. You don't. You don't. You 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 don't want to tap. You don't want to tap into that. You don't want to tap into that. Definitely got no fear, I'm telling you. All right, so let's go further. You know I was at Taylor Swift's house? 
another time. Okay, another place. We got to go to work. This is a Christian training. We can't talk about super flurvious things. Okay, I think that's a word. Um, okay, passivity is on page 56. Come on, let's have a crazy breakout fun. We, we, first, in order to do this, though, turn to the person next to you and say, your will is free. true you have a free will when God created you he stepped back and he goes I'm leaving you a free will and so your will think about it point to where is your will at I don't know scientifically some people say it's your backbone some people say it's your heart I'll leave that up to the scientists of will finding but have you ever had your will operated on? You probably have. You just didn't know it. The Holy Spirit was working on it. But wait, it's free. So you have to work on your will. Is it your will? Whose will is it? He wants his will, but you, you have a decision maker in you called free will. And what we're saying about the free will is, how many of you have met someone who doesn't activate their will? In other words, Something can happen in their life, and they don't purposely activate and engage. They sit back. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. They don't activate. And then you need to see someone who activates it. And they say, you know what? I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to take this on. So it's true. Like, you could have homework in college, high school. You could have homework. You need to do homework on a Friday, Saturday night to crush that test on Monday. One kid activates. Another kid deactivates. True? You could be in a weight room of life. You need to do some different exercises in life to get better at life. One guy activates. The other people are like, I don't even want to be in there. I quit. So can you quit on your will? In other words, can you have you ever met someone who's quit on something in their life and they stop engaging their will? It can happen. And so God has given us this awesome awesome free will, and we want to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, activate our will and say, you know what, Jesus, our will is to do your will. We're ready and willing to say yes at any cost to simple obedience because we believe it changes history, okay? Are you ready to attack our wills and say, Will, get up and running. It's time for me to activate in every moment. How many of you have things that you would love to do this quarter that you kind of dreamed of when you came here? Maybe long prayer time you always wanted to have sitting on top of a mountain with your Bible open and your journal. Or, or maybe you wanted to go on a long run. Or maybe you wanted to do something you always dreamed of. Whatever. Worship. Celebrate. Who knows? Throw a party for a friend. But there's things that, that you want to activate in. And God is ready to give you the power to do it. The attitude of I don't care can be called passivity. Will you say it out loud? I don't care. Have you ever met someone who doesn't care? Yeah, true, right? They don't really care. They're, they're there. Passivity can cause us to grow very slowly in our Christian life. Now, let's talk about this, not for long, but it is true that our phones now in today's modern society currently can be an actual physical idol. Back in my generation, the only thing you could have as an idol was a car. The pastors would tell you, don't make your car an idol. And they would tell you, guys would be out waxing their car like, don't be waxing that idol. You need to be busy with the kingdom. And You'd see like four guys that had nice cars in my church. I didn't have a car, I had a bike. 
So I didn't have anything to really take care of. But I look at those guys like, man, they've got idols at home. I don't want no idol. You know, I'd be like 11 years old, like, keep that idol out of my camp. And God made sure of it because the first car I got was a 1972 Ford Maverick. It was orange. And on the side, it said grabber. Grabber because the tires had these, like, slick little sports tires. The seats didn't work. They kind of went forward and backwards. And uh, I met my wife, Christy, and took her on a date in that Ford Maverick. But I didn't need to repent of the idol of my car, though. Trust me. That wasn't part of the preparation for the date. But an idol, in order for an idol to become something that's idolatrous, it means it has to have power over us, meaning we lose power over it, and it begins to run our lives. And so passivity is when we engage our will through the power of the Holy Spirit and say, I will engage, I will see breakthrough, nothing will have authority over me, I will have authority over it because of Jesus' name, okay? And it's the opposite Passivity is the opposite of initiation. When we're initiating, we're walking in agape love. Stay with me. This is heavy duty. Agape love is the unconditional love of God. And a God's love is initiatory. Stay with me. Initiatory. It's decision-based. It's feeling second, faith first. And this is how we are to engage in radical love, which is the gospel lifestyle every place we go. Are you there? And passivity is like a heavy feeling, a heavy drug that wants to come and, and put us in an inactive position. I remember how many guys in the room know it's like men, just talking to men, know there's moments where you've signed on for passivity and then that joy of breaking out of passivity, men. Isn't it awesome? When you like wake up and you're like, this is bull. I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't who I am. This is junk. And it's usually fun when another guy's giving you a fiery speech. You're like, bro, you need to jump up right now and just deal with this. And you're just like, ah, and you just feel so much different. You're like, this is going to change. The women's version of that, I remember at Brave Love, so many Brave Loves I've been to, where I've seen hundreds of women arise, different places. There's 300 Brave Love events on university campuses in the next three months. Women are arising, and they're saying, you know what? I'm not going to be silent. I don't need to be angry. I don't need to just all of a sudden hate men. I'm going to be a Jesus follower. My calling's bigger than that. I am here to bring radical change through the love of Jesus Christ. I will love bravely, and I will go to the places that need the bravest form of love, whether they're here in the U.S. or in the nations. And when you see women arise like Deborah did, where she said, awake, 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 and Deborah just was basically speaking to her will and said, I'm sick of my nation getting trashed. Wake up, Deborah. And she told herself to wake up. Man, talk about a pep, pep talk, ladies. Have you ever seen a woman, women, stand up and tell herself to wake up? I guarantee you, I walk 10 feet back. There's nothing more dangerous than a woman awake in Jesus Christ with her mission slipped from heaven in her heart. You watch out. If there's 10 orphans, they're getting, they're getting picked up in five minutes. And they all of a sudden, things are going to change. Have you ever seen a mama bear that's 19 in a grocery store when some guy's picking on a kid on the cereal aisle and that 19-year-old goes mama bear and says, don't talk to kids like that. And all of a sudden, she sounds like she's 45 and knows karate. It's crazy. Jiu-jitsu and all the other kinds too. Jim Pete Foo. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? When we activate our will, crazy stuff happens. Crazy stuff happens, both for men and for women. It's wild. So the opposite of passivity is initiation. Let's go for it. So let's recognize passivity. Bottom of 56, let's read out loud. Anyone then who knows God, then any, excuse me, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. James 4, 17. So when we know the good to do, but we don't do it, it's called what? Sin. That's why being active, fire and fragrance is our jam. We want to stay active in obeying God all the time. Does the Lord ask us to be cheerful? Yes. Nothing better than those pearly whites. Shining bright, day and night. There it is. So fun to meet someone on the path of life that knows what their teeth are for. Not to snarl or to bite things, but to smile and say hello in a pleasant voice. How many of us know that we are here to bring joy to everyone we meet? We carry joy. We carry encouragement. Proverbs 24, I don't think this applies to us, but it's good to read. A slugger does not plow in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. That's a picture of passivity. So passivity isn't from God. It's a form of, uh-oh, the R word. Rebellion. Why is it rebellion? Let me tell you why. Rebellion is, this is the definition of, rebellion is an immaturity. That's a whole different ta- category. Rebellion is knowing the right thing to be to do. You know the right thing to do, but you've said no to it at least 50 times. That's called rebellion. Like, you know, when mom came in in the day, I know, like, you need to make your bed. There's things growing in there. All right, I will. Day 48. You need to make your bed. That tree wasn't here 58 d- 48 days ago. Day 49. You're never going to get married if you live in a pigsty. Yeah, 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 mom. Day 50. Mom doesn't come in. It's dad and his four friends from work. <laughs> we decided to pick up your bed since you never make it, and we've taken all your furniture, and we've gotten rid of it. This is your new bed, this tiny little grass mat with this tiny, tiny sheet made out of paper. This is your new room. When you want to be an adult and clean it, you can ask for this stuff back. But it's for sale. You can buy it from us. (laughs) Talk to you later. And you're like, what just happened? That's rebellion. You went 50 days of no, and then God stepped in and went, whack. That's called the refining fire of God, okay? It's hot. It's toasty. It's delicious. It's a portable tent that you go back in there. It's called the woodshed of life, and you grow up quickly, okay? But we don't want to talk about that. How many of us hate rebellion? None of us want to go 50 no's in a row to God. We want to go, yes, Jesus. So God calls us out of passivity. He says, let's get active in every area of our life, building faith, building relationship. So look at Colossians 3.23. I'm almost done. We're almost to the end. We're going to just get wild and pray together. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. So we need to be cheerful. Can I, I've told this story last quarter, but it was, it's really a story that ended up saving my very life. I have um, a specialist that I see uh, for my condition, and he's a, he, uh, I missed an appointment, and it was an important appointment, and I knew, I know my doctor, his personality, he's, uh, he's the kind of guy that if you're late and you don't show up, 
it makes him mad. And I, I knew it. I knew, like, oh, man, I was I was, it was because of the send, and I was gone, and I should have called, and I didn't call. Do you ever feel like what you're doing is so important that it warrants you not doing what you should do? That was me. So I go in, and he wouldn't see me the next three times. He'd always see, send the nurse in. And the nurse was amazing, and she was crushing it. But I knew that my lungs were getting worse, and I needed to see him. So I just prayed one night, and I said, God, forgive me. I didn't show that boy respect. I got to call him. I went in. I said, man, doctor, I'm so sorry. I was late that day. I didn't even come. And I asked your forgiveness. And, I, and he looked at me, and he, and he was still really tough. And I go, but I had a vision, and I don't know if you're a Christian or not. This is this verse. I went and took action. I saw you, and I was really sick, and I was in bad shape. And you turned into Kobe Bryant. I go, do you like Kobe Bryant? He goes, I've had Laker tickets since 2002, season ticket holder. You think I love Kobe Bryant? Kind of still a little bit of an edge. I go, okay, well, I want you to know that visions come from Jesus Christ. So I was praying to Jesus Christ, and he gave me a vision that had you in it, doctor. Can I continue? And so I said, you were Kobe, and you stepped behind the three, and you shot this crazy, you know, like crazy almost 363, and you got fouled, four-point play, and you won the game for the Lakers. And the Lord said to me, you have a trick up your sleeve that can turn my condition around. He immediately starts to sob. He comes right over. He hugs me. He goes, I know exactly what it is, and I'm going to get it for you. And he goes, you know, I'm a Christian, and I know I cuss. But he goes, I'm going to go to see my pastor and share this vision. This, i got to call my wife. I've never had anyone have a vision of me before. I said, okay, Kobe. So he got a $60,000, $60,000, very difficult to get for insurance, drug approved for me and paid for. He wrote letter after letter to the insurance companies. I started it two weeks ago. And if I would, would have been inactive, in other words, I said, uh, there's nothing I can do. I blew it. But if there, it see the cheerfulness there? I go, no, I'm going back to where I lost the battle. I'm going to pray. And God met me with a miraculous intervention. Fire and fragrance. Who do you need to be cheerful to? Who do you give, need to give another chance to? Who do you need to give a prophetic word to? Who do you need to give a high five to? Who was rude to you and you need to say, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to tell them who they are in Christ. Fire and fragrance, we are here to initiate love. Isn't it to the ends of the earth for love? That's where we're going. No passivity. Would you say passivity? You're done. I'm going cheerful. I'm going cheerful the rest of my life. We should go home and just worship right now, but we can't. We need more, more of this. How many learned some, something right there? Never give up. Never give up. That's not just a speech. Keep going forward. It's better if you do. Don't stop. Okay, God has an initiation for you to take today. Okay, you know these hands of mine have worked to pay my own way, and I've even supplied the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant example of how you can help the poor by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Can I park there? And then we're going to pray. Say taker. Now, we used to have this kind of funny person we made up called the credit taker. And it was like a comic book person. This is in Circuit Riders. But I have run into a new superhero. He's kind of one of the evil villains. He's not the credit taker. He's just the taker. And I've noticed that this type of person is always taking and not 
giving. They always want and they never give. Have you met the taker, the villain that's always wanting and never giving back? You say hi to them, they never say hi back to you. They always want something. The cure for the taker is Christmas, isn't it? Because at Christmas you find out how fun it is to give because you get the big present. But when you give a present away, you get stoked out of your mind because everyone gets so happy. Isn't it fun to give? Way more fun to give. When you start blessing others, that's where the joy is. When you keep getting, 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 getting. How many of you have ever gotten too spiritually full and you needed to start giving it away? You know what I'm talking about? Fire and Fragrance this quarter, we want to obliterate the taker. We want to go wild on engaging our lives to be givers, radical servants with radical love every single day of the quarter and the rest of our life. How many of us are ready to go wild on being givers of the love of Jesus to everyone around us? Encouragers, blessers, ladies with ladies, guys with guys. So on your worksheet there, I want you to work through this. We're going to give it to you for about, we're going to go about 10 minutes. And you're going to, with one other person, I want you to check the boxes either mentally or pray them right out loud. And I want you to repent of any area of passivity under number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, and number six. Do you see that in your book? So I want you to get up, and here's how it looks. I'm going to role, role play with my book and my buddy. I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, I repent of all passivity when I fail to initiate conversations with others, always waiting for someone to come up to me. You're just like, that is donezo. I am going, you're, I'm like, I'm a heat-seeking love machine. I'm going to find people. I'm going to go wild with Jesus, loving people. Are you there? Then you go to the next one. I don't want to be passive anymore in building relationships. I don't want to be passive. I'm going to call people back. I don't want to be passive anymore. I want to call people back when they call me. I, don't, I initiate activities with others. I want you to pray through this with the wildest, fiery prayers, revivalist level, that passivity is getting nuked in Jesus' name. Can we do that? And then as you get there at the end, in about, it's 11.01, so about 11.10, we'll come back together and we'll pray some group prayers. And if Gabriel has wandered back, if we, by luck, he's around. Is he back yet? Okay. Then we'll pray for him. I'm going to tell you my crazy pa passive story. How many of you guys know that I'm passive at times? Well, now, now you know. I'm really an introvert in many ways that when I get ready to go out for Jesus, he gives me supernatural strength. But I do enjoy sitting by myself, reading my Bible, and uh, just kind of getting alone with the Lord because I have a great relationship with Jesus. But he's had to be kicking, kicking my buns and getting me, always making sure I'm activated. And one of my roles in the body of Christ is being the guy that shows up that when someone has a crazy idea, I'm usually a guy that God says, if you agree with him right here, right now, publicly, it'll happen. And so I'm always the guy that lacks the facts. I don't really ever know the implications. I'm kind of the guy in the body of Christ that shows up and says, you know what? If God told you to do it, we need to do it. And then everyone goes, we're doing it. And then about 10 minutes later, kind of the the implicational people, which I love. I do love them sincerely. They save me. And sometimes they harm me. Um, 
but they do it out of love. It's a harmful love that's founded in the love of God. It's just harmful to my pride. That's all it is. But when I was with Lou Engel in his backyard with Andy Bird, that famous summer day where Lou asked us to bring him a tuna fish sandwich from McCall's, this little burger joint. It was so funny. We brought it to him. We were in the backyard of Hill Street in his house there in Pasadena, California. And Lou said, I have something to tell you guys. We knew, Andy and I knew intuitively, that we were in a God moment. And that whatever we were about to say had better line up with heaven. Because Lou was about ready to say the craziest sentence up to that point. And that's the moment that Lou said, I'm selling my house to buy the field. That was his first line. Now, we, now you later now know the field was a Susan now at Trojan Stadium. But we did not know what buying the field meant. I'm, I'm selling the house to buy the field. So naturally, and I think Andy struggled more with this because of the level of faith that I operate in. Um, <laughs> but but he, was, he was close, you know. I'm just a little bit older, a little bit more. No, no, that's a joke. But we were having fun. But we both felt the same way, that we needed to answer back in that moment and represent the Fire and Fragrance family, represent the Circuit Rider family, YWAM family, represent the Bible the right way. And so we said, Lou, we're in. We're doing it. Sell the house and buy the field. And we're hoping the next sentence is going to come like more information. He goes, it's, it's the Trojan Stadium. Mott's too small. Stadiums will be filled. Mott Auditorium is in, in Pasadena. Mott was a 3,000-seater. Now Lou goes for the 100,000-seat stadium rental, sells his house. Andy and I, largest gathering parade at that time was 1,000 people. And we looked at each other, and he goes, we're doing this together. I want Nick to make the video. That's my son, Nick. And, of course, we answered, of course he will. <laughs> what would have happened if in that moment we would have said, you know, Lou, I love that. I think every good word needs a good test. I think every great word needs time to process. You know, we, we were in a moment for the history of the nation that we needed to speak faith. What's going to happen to you? I know my son Spencer came up to me uh, about three weeks ago on a minor note that was just as big. And he mentioned a young, you know who my son Spencer is? Spencer is my second son. He's 23. He's the guy that produces Lindy's music. Along with uh, Gabriel did the first album. And then Thunderbird and Bethel helped with the second. Spencer's a genius. Humble as can be, he's so humble. He came and goes, Dad, I got something to tell you. There's this girl I've been noticing. She's way out of my league. What do you think I should do? I said, don't let nightfall hit without calling her. He's like, but dad, she's a holy woman. She reads her Bible every day. Okay, well, it looks like you got to step it up a bit. No problem. You got till tonight. <laughs> what else? She reads her Bible and she'll write songs. That really took me. Wow, how often? Every day. I dug down deep. Perfect. That's the perfect woman you need to be pursuing. She's going to be so excited to get your phone call. Trust me. Get her on the phone. It's time for you to take her to Starbucks ASAP. 
He's shaking, you know, turning more white. Dad, Dad, what if she asked me hard questions about Leviticus? <laughs> She's going to know I know a lot about music, and I love Jesus wildly, but I haven't spent much time in Leviticus. I still don't get Song of Solomon, man. Why do you have so many wives to write in that book? There's still questions that need answering. What do I do, sons? Put those questions away. Get out your smartphone and be smart with it. <laughs> Call her a number. It's not an idol tonight. It's our lifeline. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is we don't want, what if I was the dad that was like, hmm, hmm, let's see where this is going first, you know, as I pray about it in my inner chamber. No, you got to meet people with faith. How many of us know, say, crazy idea? Crazy ideas sound crazy. If someone comes up to you and goes, here's my idea. We're going to go to the cafeteria every day and have lunch. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Yeah. There's no faith in that. Here's my idea. Let's keep wearing shorts. It's hot out. Hey, yeah. With you on that, heart and soul. Shorts. Shorts are in. Shorts. Shorts every day. Thanks, man. Cool. But when someone says something crazy, it's like, you know, the crazy look, man, I'm just wrecked. What are we going to do with the rest of our lives? We need to cry out to God. We need to go after our generation. Something's starting to shake and shift in me. You know, I go, man, you need to get in the prayer room. <laughs> Looks like a prayer set's coming your way. No, you need to be like, I want to get into this. What's God saying? What's God saying? Passivity is like that ugly pair of pants that you not need to stop wearing a long time ago. It's time to throw those grumpy pants away and put on the cheerful. I love people. I love initiating. I want to engage. I'm on the planet to be a hero for Jesus into a generation. I'm ready for this. Would you take 10 minutes and blow this stuff out of your life? Guys with guys, girls with girls, we'll pray a final prayer. You guys are heroes. Go for it. Shout these prayers out. Get as wild as you can. Have fun. So awesome. We're going to pray this prayer together. But, I, but Gabriel came back, and I wanted to just, my wife Christy's home, and I texted and I said, hey, do you have anything for this man? He is such a precious one, and uh, we all love you so much. And, and she doesn't know anything about you except for maybe Nick told uh, her, could have told Christy how strong you are because he was so impressed by your physical greatness. Um, sincerely, he was, and your heart of gold. Um, but one of the, I just want to give you a couple of the things she was hearing and share more of it later. But the, the first thing she heard was the coach, the coach, and that you were designed to gather, inspire, encourage, and lead. What a confirmation that those of us that know you, have watched you work in leadership track, you are what a real coach is. You can, you can kind of be like a coach or you can be the coach. And if you've ever been around, which you have so much of your life, real actual coaches, there's hardly anything more fun to be inspired. So everybody in leadership track, how many of here have ever been in leadership track under Gabriel's leadership? Would you say that you really get with a coach? Because a coach will, 
What a coach does is they care about details because sports is a lot about details, and so is life. And so how many of you had Gabriel help you be more on time? <laughs> but you actually, because he did it in his coaching way, it, was, it felt good. It, it was like you accepted it and were like, I love this challenge. Is that true? How many of you have been massively inspired by, by Gabriel? Like he's, he's someone that 20 years from now, you're like, he's going to be one of the most inspirational people that ever trained me or touched my life. So, Gabriel, I want to honor you as the coach, the coach right here. There's more. I'm gonna, and, and the thing about being a coach is it was time for that gift to take front and center. There's, there's some sort of massive training that, you know, things are expanding. There's a coach that's in you, and it's going to come in a grander and greater way. And just so you know, we're all with you. We're all for you. And so, yes, come and train. Let that training expand. And I really think that, that when you think about being a great coach, it's probably a lot of teams that you're going to be touching. Here in Kona Nation, bro, keep running. Here's another piece of this. We'll get back to the class. I'll tell you some of the rest of this later. But another one of the big things that you carry is your own, you're a great personal evangelist. And this, I know it's amazing, but your personal story is so compelling. It just kept coming up to Christy. She never met you. She just kept seeing a trumpet of your personal story going out. And that as an evangelist, so many people have come to Christ and so many people are going to come to Christ. And the way that you train people to testify is critical. Are you going to do that this quarter with, with, with the FNF crew? Yeah, make sure you get an hour in here somehow. Andy will fit you in. We need to be able to share our faith like you do. Tell your story. It's electric. No one can say no to Jesus when you're done. Um, your story of freedom is crazy. Now, with, there was a little piece that came up about South Africa. And the line was heard, there's a specific project that's coming. And you were wiping off your whiteboard. and It was all cleaned off. And God was going to land that specific project. And uh, it was a powerful thing that God was going to do. And um, the slate was clean. And it wasn't that you were there all the time, but it was, a, it was a specific thing. And when you were there to do that specific thing, you gave everything to it, and it exploded. So there's something coming. God's going to show you what that is. It's going to be pretty crazy. Another last thing here is um, that your demeanor is one of joy. You have a powerful gift of the joy of the Lord. It's your strength. It's supernatural zeal is with you. And I, Gabriel, you should never, ever worry. I, know I don't think you ever do. But everywhere you go, whether it's in Cape Town, whether it's any nation of the world, the joy that you carry, the zeal that you carry completely permeates and shatters all darkness in any category that you walk in. And so, Coach, I'm asking you for my life, for the Brent family, would you be a coach in our life? Would you speak into our lives, speak into my kids' lives, their marriages? I just open the door for you to speak freely and plainly. I humble myself before you as a brother and say, brother, would you watch my back? And I'll watch yours. I love you. I honor you. And I, I would, I'd follow you anywhere. And I sincerely mean that. And hold up your arm. And so be that brother in my life. I love you. I'll tell you some more stuff later. But this is honoring you before all men and women here. Thank you for being one of the greatest coaches that has come through YWAM in recent decades. We honor you, bro. We love you. And you're encouraged to all of us. You're in a great encouragement to all of us.
Thank you so much, Gabriel. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay. With our last few minutes, let's pray a prayer. Will you pull out your book to page 59? Every good coach would love us to pray a wild prayer to end the session. Coach.